Not that it matters because you don't. You can always edit out the beginning part. I might do that. Hello, welcome to Shoot the Piano Player, a French English podcast. Uh, I'm Spencer, and this is one of the last ones for we are recording. Uh, it's kind of sad, but we're going out. Uh, you know, we're closing in, closing up on the good ones, like this movie. Uh. Yeah, Joel's here, but who cares? Uh, more important yeah. thing, Gina is making her debut for a season. Hello, I'm here, yes. I'm so happy to have you. And uh, Ben is back uh, without her sister this time. Uh, oh, yep. I killed and ate her to gain her powers. That's just, just like just like Kirby. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> oh, but Bell t- better tell Bo that uh, they're on. <laughs> co-host is gone. Yep, yep. I'm the co-host now. <laughs> Get used to it, but... <laughs> I okay. just imagine you suddenly wearing her clothing mm, and yeah. Kirby <laughs> stuff. <laughs> a whole bunch of uh, animal print. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And maybe taller? Megan's tall. I don't know. She, if is, t- she, is, t- she is tall, yes. Ben, are you tall? I'm 6'2". Oh, oh, you, you, are, oh. You, you, are, you are slightly taller than Megan. Well, we're twins, so, you know. Of course, yeah. yeah. The old Sunday twins. Solving <laughs> mysteries together. <laughs> Until I ate her. <laughs> Had to be done. Did you steal her eyes? Yes. <laughs> or her face? All of it. Uh, yeah. uh, okay, so, yeah, this is Eyes Without a Face by Georges Franchu. Uh... This is his famous movie. We already covered his not famous movie, Jude X, which is awesome. Watch Jude X if you like uh, corny fun, like if you like Batman '66 type stuff, you will love Jude X. If you don't, well, you're I question your taste. I'm waiting for the gritty reboot of Jude X. Oh, it'd be terrible. Alright, uh, okay, so, uh, starting with the guests, uh, what, uh, Gina, Ben, why did you guys pick, uh, uh, well, I think I offered it, but what, what, what do you guys want to, uh, do? I can't remember at this point. Uh, it's been, yeah, this, this has been an episode that's been long in the making. Yeah, I can't, yeah, so, like, uh, what, uh, I just thought a face, like, what's your history with it? Uh, do you like it? I mean, I, I, you know what, I saw some of it a long time ago, but this, for the podcast, was the first time I'd ever watched it from beginning to end, uh, and it was more of a of a movie I knew more from its influences than than the movie itself. So when you suggested this movie, I was like, "Oh, that sounds interesting. That'll finally give me an excuse to watch it." Are Are you glad you watched it? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, Ben Dog, you. I don't like it. Dot dot dot. I love it. <laughs> now I've seen it a few times. I think it's great. A lot of fun. Uh, yeah, I think I stumbled onto it when I was just looking at foreign horror in general. And of course, this is one of the formative examples of the uh, medical horror. You know, it sees its influence in latter films like uh, David Cronenberg's Dead Ringers, for instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I enjoy it a lot on its own merits and for its lasting impact on the genre. 
Uh, J Dog, what's your history with this movie? Um, I I've definitely seen that iconic, you know, image of of the, the main girl's mask, just like creepy. Like I feel like it's a thing, a Pinterest thing that sometimes will just pop up in that area of Pinterest with the goth girls. Um, and it didn't, I didn't watch it or anything like that. I, actually, I always assumed that it was in English until, uh, uh, like a year ago, me and my partner just were like, oh, eyes without a face. Okay, we kind of want to watch this. She's always singing the song, but I don't know who it's by. That Billy says Idol. Eyes without a face. Oh, there we go. Billy Idol loves eyes without a face. And, uh, both of us were liked it a lot like because it's just it's such a visually interesting movie for one thing and, and it was way more way more like uh violent and not like a you know not like a fight violence but like that surgery scene yeah and watching that i'm like i'm like yeah this goes far for uh for this this the, the, this period you know as far as being as far as the the, the graphicness of it cold clinical quality of it like when they're showing the gradual degradation of the facial transplant uh, adds another eerie element to it yeah um uh, so some of the obvious influences of this would be like skin the, the, the skin i live in which watching this for first time i was like oh uh, this is like a lot of our really did like uh took a lot from it but also added his own a mode of our qualities to it, but like it's kind of the same story essentially, until until a certain point if you've seen the movie. Also, the MST3K film, The Brain That Wouldn't Die, pretty similar, right? <laughs> yes, sort of like in the best. reverse eyes without a face, in that everything gets damaged about her except her head, and then they got to find the body, right? <laughs> yeah. And the other one, because I have to. Uh, bringing up, I'm the kind of person. Um, the mid '70s, not really good, but it's it's an interesting, weird movie. Banshee of the Doomed. Uh, it's the same thing, but with eyes. So there's a lot of ocular stuff in it. Cool. And it's uh, it's not great. It's more of a curiosity, but it stars a there not stars, but features a young Lance Hendrickson. Oh. Was he ever young? I like uh, he, old. he was probably fifty at the time then. <laughs> he, was, he, was born, he, just, he was just born. He was born fifty. Yeah. What year was that? Match of the Doomed? Yeah. Seventy six. Uh, directed okay, by so. Michael Pataki, who was in Star Trek and a bunch of. Yeah, Michael Pataki's career is very fascinating. Mm. He's in the Baby, playing uh, a creep. I love the Baby. Yes, he's the guy who says, "I'm a, uh, I'm a skin freak." When he's asking, he's hitting on one of my sisters at the weird yeah, party. Skin freak. Oh wait, are you talking about movie? Yeah. Uh, one more, one more direct influence. You know, it goes along with Tim Burton's whole, uh, uh, is that German expressionism feeling? Yeah. And like, obviously, loved these kind of black and white movies, but you know. Jack, I thought you said I could watch you murder of the paintings. You know, mm-hmm. seen in Batman '89, right before she. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And then 
What is face off but John Woo's eyes without a face, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. You didn't know you didn't know it was that artsy, did you? No, no. But um, this I haven't seen it, but there's that British movie Fiend. I want to fucking call it. It's like the first gory movie. First, like one of the first gory horror movies. It predates like uh, Harsh Harmless, the British one, Fiend something. Fiend without there, a face. The, I was gonna say Fiend, yeah. Then there's one called Fiend without a face. Yeah, I haven't seen that, but it's. I forgot. I've seen that movie. I don't. I don't match these two up. Okay. I was thinking in terms of like, because I know Fiend without a face kind of got like a. Got what it was partially famous because like it was so like bloody towards era. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's super violent and and it's good. I would recommend it. Ben, were you gonna say something? Oh yeah, fiend without a face. It's mostly like disembodied brains going for people, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a a woman who simply cannot escape being in a towel. Well, <laughs> ooh. I might watch it now. <laughs> I wasn't going to, but this woman. Tell me about that towel. But it's been on my, uh, I remember this old joke, it's been on my Netflix DVD list for the last eight years? Nine years? It's uh, just uh, not meant to be. One of these days, I'll, I'll get through like the 300 movies I have on that list. One of these days. Okay, so, um, uh, okay, well, Regina, you're, uh, uh, you wanted, you, you're a horror expert, you're like, how would you describe I Without a Face? Um, I would say it's kind of, it's an interesting, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's definitely a little, it's definitely body horror, um, although I don't know they would have called it that at the time, um, uh, you kind of mix the psychological thriller uh, because you've got this sort of uh, uh, almost like slave, like she's kind of like his Igor, like his uh, his 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 assistant who you, pro- you procures the the you the young women who you know, he does these experimental face transplant surgeries for his uh, for, to, to try to restore his daughter's beauty. Or at least not not restore it because obviously she's not going to look like his daughter, but to you know, make it so you know, she's not you know, hideous anymore. Um, and everybody is sort of you know he's insane from grief that you know her her you know, she was so grievously injured. You know she's kind of losing the the, the daughter's kind of losing her mind from being locked up so long and 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 you know, understanding what it is that he's actually doing when he's doing these experiments and everybody's just kind of you know, on, 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 on the, on the edge of just spiraling into the abyss. So it's, it's probably about like 75% psychological thriller, 25% body horror. Yeah. It feels like classy body horror. Yeah. Uh, which, uh, like, I'm not much. Well, I like the body horror, I like the Japanese body horror, because it's very cartoony and unrealistic. Where like the gore stuff makes me want to vomit. Uh, but like, I like, but this kind of like was a rare non-cartoony one. Where it's like, oh, I can handle this. 
This doesn't like doesn't make me sick. Uh, I think you could easily imagine it going in like as you said a cartoonier direction with a more uh, garish and <coughs> flamboyant mad scientist character, right? Because he's certainly like he's certainly within that larger archetype, but the character himself is not really maniacally laughing or tenting his fingers in diabolical uh, contemplation. Like he, he comes across like very much like a very serious medical professional, and that's part of what right. gives the film its unique edge, in my opinion. He just has these horrible ideas. Yeah, yeah. But um, like that sort of the very first time we see him, right? He's giving. Uh, a speech at a conference and it's clear that he's a person who's like very well respected who's taken seriously within his community whereas uh, in the more traditional depiction of this sort of character he would be spouting outlandish theories and they'd be like mocking him and like he'd be saying you'll rule rule the day that you doubted me you know but instead he's like um, very much like the highest class character in this film like the voice of reason and that's part of like why he's able to like get away with his crimes because he's not the sort of person you would suspect to be doing anything this nightmarish um, you'd be surprised how very little people rue the day in France oh yeah yeah Yeah, um, one thing I just just remembered uh, on Vandor or one of his other streaming sites had like a a list of um, uh, body related movies and it was like I thought a face Claire's me and some other stuff but uh don't, uh, don't well maybe watch Claire's me I don't know Joel never mind should I tell somebody to watch Claire's me some people I like wouldn't... that movie a lot no 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 listen to me I, I wouldn't tell anybody not to watch a movie that they wanted to in any situation, with the exception of anything by Dinesh D'Souza. Uh, <laughs> so, you can watch it, just because I found it to be a wretched undertaking uh, moments of my life that I will not get back, that I sometimes occasionally think of, which means that it's an effective movie. Just not for me. Yeah. It, it, can't, it can't be made today. Oh, it could be, but People would be like, what is with this perverted shit? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we can listen to our Romero episode where we kind of oh, basically say, like, we don't really get Romero, <laughs> which is the most listened to episode of the season. Oh my gosh. I know. That, that's the one that people want to listen to. <laughs> well, what can you do? Yeah. Um... So, um, so uh, I don't know. Like, I, I think overall this will be a more of a love fest. So, um, what didn't work? Are, are there any uh, big negatives for anyone with for Eyes Without a Face? Not really. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was, it's it's fast paced. I at one point I I did look to see. How long the movie had been on? I just had to, I had to pause it for a second. I'm like, oh, this is like more than halfway over, and it, and it, you know, it, it's very briskly paced, which I which I appreciated. No, that's not much of a negative, Gina. No, I said I didn't have any. 
Okay, uh, <laughs> Megan's Megan's brother. You got anything? Yeah, yeah. I I got a bone to pick, right? It's called Eyes Without a Face, but she's clearly still got a face. It's just a little messed up, right? It should be called yeah, it's not the like lady it's, with a messed it's, up face. Yeah, it's not like two eyes just hovering. Yeah, just like floating, disembodied in the air. Yeah, like at one point she says like her face feels super rubbery, right? Why isn't this movie called Rubber Face? Something to think about. Why isn't this movie called Rubber Face? (laughs) But no, no, I I think it's a great movie. Love the atmosphere, love the tone, love the performances. I I don't really have anything negative to say about it. Um, Okay. Uh, like, maybe, maybe the like relationship between her and her fiance Jacques could have been a little more well developed. Like I feel like it doesn't necessarily go anywhere as a plot thread, but I mean, that's not a major uh, criticism. And you can sort of infer a lot. Like I can infer that they had this great romance, and now they're separated, and you know they'll probably never be reunited, even after she like escapes from her situation, just because I mean so much has transpired. So. And also, she doesn't have a face. Well, you know what? <laughs> if my lady lost her face, I would like to think that I would still love her. You know, that's just the kind of guy I am. I'm not about I mean, the it, face, it, I'm about the heart. You know? It's a little, I mean, it's a little bit of an adjustment. Right, right. I could, I could kiss a rubber face. Why not? Uh, yeah, I think I'd, I draw the line at, at eyes existing without a face. Like, you know, I gotta have something to kiss up in that area. I don't think so. Yeah, you know. I, ju- I just got these, like, uh, what are those called? Um, standards. Um, but, you know. I have seen a Children's and Suits movie where part of seduction included looking an eyeball, and you get to see it on camera, and it's very weird. I wouldn't let someone do that to me, because they'd probably end up licking out my contact lens. Oh. <laughs> and that it would swallow it and gain your powers. Uh, so, uh, complaint-wise, I guess, like you're saying, the movie goes by at like a, a click, really. It's, it's under an hour and a half long. And I almost feel like it, it should have been longer in that way. But, it, you know, to call that a criticism, it's just like, well, I wanted more. So that's kind of like... <laughs> uh, underhanded compliment? No, I don't know. Uh, backhanded insult? Uh, whatever. And uh, I didn't understand the language, so I had to turn on the subtitles. That no, that's kind of a no. I don't really have anything in particular. What about you, Spencer? Um, I was hoping someone had something. I don't really have any. Oh, jeez. Well, podcast over. I was going to say, good night, everybody. <laughs> you know what else this movie could have used? Bloopers. Bloopers at the end. <laughs> to, you know, remind the audience that it's okay to laugh once in a while. Um, yeah. Examples yeah, of bloopers I... that we could have. Like, bloopers around the surgery in the face, right? Like, maybe he's putting the face on her, and one of those dogs comes in and, like, takes it away. Just, like, takes it into its mouth and eats it. And then he, like, hits himself on the head and says, oh, Again. Um, I'll another some another blooper. Yeah, another blooper. Like, oh, someone gets stabbed in the stabbed in the shoulder on accident. You see him bleed. Uh-huh. And it's like, oh, oh, well, that's upsetting to look at. Why is that in this movie, Jackie Chan? <laughs> oh, I, don't know. I, I feel like I feel like Why we're required you? to show everything in bloopers, not just the funny ones, but the tragic yeah. ones. 
Have you seen Police Story 2? Anyone here? I have seen Police Story 2. It's not as good as the first one, but one of the bloopers at, at the end credits is... Maggie Chung? Yeah, um, there's a blooper of her getting injured, which I find very upsetting. Seeing like the stuntmen get injured is like, they kind of knew what was going to, you know, it, it's not as bad, but seeing Maggie get injured is like, uh, Jackie, did you have to do this to her? I don't think it's accurate to call those scenes bloopers. Like the scenes of people yeah. getting horribly injured at the end of a Jackie Chan film. Like that's that's not really the same as scenes of like people flubbing their lines or like getting hit in the head by a boom mic. Those yeah, are different like, categories. Yeah, she gets uh, her big stunt was this like row of metal things that like kind of fall like dominoes, and she not quite fast enough, and you then you see the contact and her covered in blood. It's like ugh. Yeah, ugh. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe show a stuntman. This I just don't like this. Another blooper for eyes without a face that I would like to see. Like, he's putting on the face and he accidentally puts it on upside down. So, her eyes are poking out of her mouth and her tongue is, like, sticking out of one of the eye sockets. Like, that'd be funny, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Blooper. Mouth without a face. Yeah, right? Like, I mean, he's oh, only, like, done funny. this facial surgery a couple times so far. He's going to mess it up every once in a while. Show that. Yeah, how many times has he done it at that point? I, uh, I mean, he mostly practices on dogs first, and I feel like that's not giving you the, that's not giving you all the necessary skills. No, I mean, for one thing, you know, dogs are are you know not human, and they have different faces. That's good. That that's true. That's true. I agree. And he's not even experimenting on the dog faces. Like he's just like taking off a patch of fur on their back and then putting it on another dog. How come there weren't any like dog faces getting transplanted? Probably because, well, yeah. Like, just think of the this, logistics. This plot is just falling <laughs> apart under scrutiny. <laughs> mm. Yeah, um, I don't. Know, I felt like that was this is the weird history shit with me. I feel like a, a reference to Pavlov because mm-hmm. he experimented with dogs. And the thing that people always leave out that's depressing is he uh, would like kind of like cut off like their skin and had like a like a glass heart he'd put on their stomach and they'd keep living for a while kind of some weird fucked up stuff that yeah yeah no one talks about that for for kind of because it's very upsetting yeah as you're finding out now as awkward silence watches over the rest of your guests yeah but like but like using dogs it felt like is this for like i don't know like kind of like a pavlov i say it different every time i feel like this maybe is an obscure reference to like him. It could be. Um, like, I, I just assumed that maybe there was a scientific tradition of experimenting on dogs. But, like, also the presence of the dogs in the cages, you know, is sort of, like, evocative of her situation as well. In addition to, the, like, the images of the birds in the cages. Like, she, too, is a figure that's being confined and experimented upon. Right. Yeah. Do you guys think he loves his daughter? Uh, yeah. I think so. In his own peculiar way. He also loves science. Okay, Joel, yeah. do you think he loves his daughter? I I mean, um, yes, but like kind of in a different mm-hmm. way than you would expect. And, I mean, 
he's trying to make that person back into his daughter. Like, that's the whole thing. It's like, I know that's my daughter, but... You know, keep her in this cage. Right, right. And like, obviously take her face his, away. His conception of the value that his daughter has is very much oriented around her face. Like, he's not thinking about her personality or her emotional needs. Uh, when it seems like the facial transplant has been successful, he apparently didn't even think about the fact that she might want to reunite with her fiancé. <laughs> he instead he's just talking about, like, giving her new papers, a new name, and, like, how fun that's going to be. Like, he hasn't really thought about the emotional toll that it has had on her to be separated from perhaps the love of her life for so long. Well, I think he's, he's you know, one of those people who's extremely pragmatic. Yeah. And, and doesn't think that, you know, that she's going to have any real emotional connections to, you know, where she lives or, you know, anybody in her life that, yeah. you know, she can start over again somewhere new. It's just that easy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Also, I, I don't remember if they ever specify how old, how old they are supposed to be, because, like... I think maybe she's uh, an, an adult, but like ma- maturity-wise, seems very childlike. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could also like attribute that perhaps to having lived a sheltered existence. Yeah. I'm not sure. I think that she's faking it. No. no. Yeah. I don't know. Like I. I like my read of it was as it as the movie goes on, it just like I like I, I lean towards I can't really give much evidence like that he he was so dead set on this mission to restore his daughter that it just became like it, it went beyond love and just went on went purely into his ego and wanting to do that. I can't really pinpoint. I can't really say when that shift happened, but. I would have to say almost immediately, given the immediacy of him getting into this plan, right? Because it seems like as soon as he got into this accident, like he came up with this idea. Because you would have to in order to set it up like that. Otherwise, people would know that she was alive because he would have taken her to a hospital or something. Oh, a hospital? Yeah. Oh, that's weird. A hospital. They would see her and they would be like, these are just eyes without a face. What are we supposed to do? Where's the rest of her? <laughs> it's, just, it's just a pair of eyes in a, in a ring box. What am I supposed to do with these? Yeah, yeah. And, and then Gomez, take that Billy Idol's cousin, Marvin Idol, gets on the phone and says, <laughs> you know that new sound you've been looking for? Well, get a load of these eyes without a face. <laughs> Do you think they're, uh, she and the fiancé were going to have a white wedding? Yes! Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's what's so tragic. She missed out on her white wedding. But at the end, she gets the chance to do a rebel yell by uh, killing everyone. <laughs> yep. And then she... Uh, She's dancing with herself! From the breakfast club? Oh, wait, that's not... I don't you got one, one, Joel. Come on, one. just look up a, a Billy Idol song. Yeah, I yeah, believe I want to look you. up a Billy Idol song. I like Rebel Yell. <laughs> uh, Billy Idol. 
songs. Okay. Um, Sweet 16. Yeah. <laughs> listening. <laughs> He's listening to the soundtrack for The Wedding Singer. Yeah, how about that? Oh, okay. yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, uh, like one thing that, like, um, I like that this is the, what was that? I like the whole family unit angle of it, of the assistant, uh, I forgot her name, but it's a lady from Suspiria. And it was bothering me the whole time. Oh, yeah. Louise. From. That yes. is so... That's a trip when you see her. Yeah, I like the character of Louise. She's not the uh, stereotypical crony. She's very beautiful. And she has genuine admiration for the doctor because he has performed like a similar procedure on her prior to the uh, film. Yeah, it's like that. It's a pseudo... Uh, it kind of falls into this category of movie I like, which is uh, weird families and just mm-hmm. kind of has like that weird family vibe like mm-hmm. i'd put it up there with like like texas chainsaw mm-hmm. is also like on that category of like weird families mm-hmm. and uh this having like the mad scientist dad the test the test subject slash uh daughter and like having sort of a mom which like you know it, the movie never really explains that much you just kind of have to figure out like for it but uh you know, like, like, like I, I got a vibe like, you know, like they're probably like the assistant and dad are probably fucking. I don't know about that. I don't know if dad uh, or maybe, does that. Or maybe she, or maybe like, she, uh, I don't know. Like I, I could see her, ha- her having a crush on him, you know, girlish admiration. Like he did save I, her face. I mean, so pragmatic. I can see it. See his point of view on sex would be like, it's something, you know, that like this, to keep keep this machine going. Keep this machine going? <laughs> yes. Like what because machine? Like, the, the whole system of for, find, find a girl to uh, abduct because he can't do it himself. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, right, like, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. Yeah. yeah I thought you were talking about like yeah. love machines. He could be a love machine. <laughs> I don't know. Is he a love machine? I don't know. I, I find it hard what to believe. What the hell are you guys talking about? <laughs> well, we were talking about whether or not he had a romantic and sexual relationship with Louise. No, I, I, he's a scientist. He wouldn't do that. Yeah, yeah I know, no. Right? I, I, I think that... Yeah, I, I think that he wouldn't even look at her that way. I know. My yeah, fan I, I don't think so says either. differently, Gina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're, they're sort of interesting compliments, the Doctor and Louise, because the Doctor is so, like, as you said, pragmatic and cerebral. Whereas Louise, I feel like she's motivated, like, not by any sort of scientific interest, but by this emotional connection that she's formed with these two people. Yeah, and, and she, she's basically, you know, powered on mm-hmm. you know, total loyalty. Yeah, totally. And, like, at the end, when uh, Christian stabs her to death and she says why like i feel like that was genuine like she genuinely didn't understand like what she had done wrong in trying to like restore the face of this uh young woman that she actually loved yeah uh, 
Yeah, kind of like it's like a cult mentality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that, and I think that they do form, a, you know, a strange little family, mm-hmm. and that yep. that when um, when the daughter wants to uh, when she wants to kind of break free of that, they're they're both kind of shocked. Mm-hmm. Like, why would you want to do that? You know, I mean, you're you're safe here. We take care of you, mm-hmm. and it's you know, it's sort of like a parental betrayal. Gina, you're, you're about to go you're to a mom. Death. You're a mom, Gina. Would you would you uh, murder people to give one of your kids a face? I only have one child, so okay. definitely, yeah. You only have one child because uh, you killed the other one to give her ex- a face, exactly right? to to give up a face. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, probably you know, pr- okay. parenting does weird things to your brain. It's like pet <laughs> cemetery, you know. I mean, yeah. that's true. What, do you think it was about to go dog tooth if uh, you know all the end events hadn't happened? Like trying to keep her in place. Like, oh, you can go out there. There's a uh, monsters. Yeah. As if she'd already experienced most of her life outside before yeah. her face. Yeah. I mean, damn. I, I feel huh? like if the face transplant had worked, then the doctor would have just like you know sent her off to do her thing. And moved on to some other scientific obsession. Yep. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, when he like talked making about... making the perfect dog. Exactly. Yeah, the perfect <laughs> dog. The most beautiful dog in the world. Uh, I just realized on movie, I that feels like uh, uh, the superhero version of this. Uh-huh. Uh, Darkman. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But good point. But the difference is, I know Sam Raimi uh, has said uh, uh, multiple times he's not a horror guy. Like he only did Evil Dead because it was cheap to make, and so he can get a foot in the door. And he's uh, like, I maybe he saw this because it's like a like one of those essential classics. But I don't really know. Yeah, I could see that. Who's to say that Christiane herself did not go on to have other adventures within the realm of superheroics? Maybe she met up with Judex and they formed some sort of French Justice League. Who's to say? Who's to say? (laughs) Uh, Frenju was in that universe. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I I don't have anything to say. (laughs) (laughs) Who else would be in the French Justice League? I feel Gene Reno, right? Gene Reno, the professional? Yeah. Would would, would, uh, would Gerard Depardieu? No, he'd be the villain. He'd be the the villain. Yeah, Yeah, they gotta bring that man to justice. (laughs) Catherine Catherine Deneau would be like their their, uh, their their um their M, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, exactly. giving them, giving, giving them, giving them directions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Emmanuel Baird would be my girlfriend. Oh wait, that's not <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, as, as Beverly Pair would probably be. Uh, who would, how would you be? Mm. I feel like someone's very cool like, and calculating. Yeah, I feel like she'd be sort of like the mystique. 
femme fatale sort of archetype. Occasionally, their uh, goals will intersect, but ultimately they're not on the same side. Audrey Chateau, she could be their kitty pride. Since since we have Gina on for the first time, I'd like to know, Gina, what's your um, familiarity with the whole French New Wave and uh, yeah, that stuff? Not as much as I would like. It's not as extensive as I would like to be. I, I like um, a, a breath. I really like Breathless. That's like that's a. Have you guys done that one yet? Yeah. yeah. Okay. You uh, both, both of them, the good, uh, good remake and the original. Yeah, the the the, the Gear one is not bad. It's not great. bad. Yeah, it's you know it, I remember thinking, watching it as a teenager, and thinking, you know, this is you know sexy but corny, and then watching it later, I'm like, oh wait, no, this is actually good. <laughs> um, but I mean, that's really uh, uh, honestly, that's kind of the the extent of what I know well. And I, I've seen I've seen a couple of those, but that's one that stands out in my mind because that movie is just like aggressively cool. You're probably um, pretty familiar with the new French Extremity, right? Yes. Yeah, that would be more Gina's wheelhouse. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. You just need, you need more, just more you you know, heads getting ripped open and all. That's yeah. like that's 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 how you dress. That's how you jazz up these movies. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, let, less philosophy, more violence. Less philosophy, exactly. more philosophy. Hell yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, have you seen? Have you seen like? Uh, have you seen any true foe, or is it has been just pretty much just like, but like? No, I, I yeah, I I really have not seen a lot. I I have a lot. I, I'm woefully uh underwatched in a lot of foreign film genres so but i have a criterion account and i'm working on it i think joe would agree with me on this uh agnes varda was the best one at french new wave i have seen some agnes varda and i watched a documentary about it i actually saw it when i covered it for um new york film festival a couple of years ago uh it was called agnes by varda and uh, it was one of the last things she did before she passed away. And if you haven't seen it, it's it's very very good. Yeah, she made so much stuff. Like, I, I will get to it eventually. But uh, she has like 50, over fifty years worth of uh, stuff. But uh, uh, I'm trying to say it's not spoiling it. Uh, Joel, you probably know what I'm talking about. I w- watch Happiness, her movie Happiness from the mid '60s. Uh, go into it blind, but uh, it's uh, it it might be one. I think one of the best we've covered this season. Yeah, it was like so surprisingly good, and yeah, you, yes. you just got to see it. <laughs> yes, it's a movie only a woman could make, and I mean that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think only a woman could make that movie, and if you see it, if you know, you you know what uh, why I. Is it is it is it like more like empathetic and all like like uh, like I I I think I get what you're saying. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. like like and I, and like well, it's like what makes Var so special is that like outside of being the only woman is that she seemed to be most curious about other types of people in the world. A lot of it is like 
white dudes, talk about philosophy, or talking about, I want to fuck other yeah. women besides my wife. It's like, yep. okay. And she's like, I'm interested in the Black Panthers and women <laughs> and stuff like that. Catholicism. Oh my god. <laughs> I thought I thought you were saying it was it was the mo- only a, mo- a woman could make that movie because it's full of like chick talk. <laughs> oh no. no, no. <laughs> it has women. It has it has lots of shopping in it. <laughs> women be shopping. <laughs> oh, so uh, bad. <laughs> women be women be watching Discovery Plus apparently if you watch uh, uh, oh, yeah. Twitter. My God in heaven! Uh, I'm glad I got rid of it after I watched Mortal Kombat because I got Disney Disney Plus, whatever it's thing, whatever it's called. Thanks. I got it for the Godzilla movie, Mortal Kombat, and Justice League Snyder Cut because I uh, I was really curious about it and uh, I watched those three and I was like I don't need this anymore. I, I spent my no, well, the problem is HBO Max is fine. It actually has a lot of you, I hate to use the word content, but it's got a lot of great stuff. And now this person is brought in and they're just like gutting it, and it's really weird. I don't understand it because like, oh, we really need to promote Discovery Plus more. It's like who the fuck watches Discovery Plus? Well, I have limited money, so like I, it's like, well, just start running another thing right now. There's Tubi right over there. And it's yeah, free. I mean, honestly, honestly, you got Tubi, you got Criterion, you're good to go. I just, I just have, I just have a bad case of FOMO. So, like, if I like, if I, I feel like that if I drop a streaming site, like the next big thing is going to be on the one that I just got rid of. And it's like, well, now I have to get it back, so I see what I'm missing, and then like, I don't end up watching half the stuff that people are talking about anyway. Because who has the time? Like most of my streaming. The most of streamer stuff I pay for is Criterion. I won't pay for Criterion. An indie wrestling one that collects a bunch of indie wrestling stuff from around the country. And I think that's all I pay for at this point. Because I reached a point where it's like, I, I'm not watching nearly enough stuff. Oh, Shudder. I pay yeah, for I, I pay for a thing for a whole year, but I never watch Shudder except for Dragula, and that's about it. Well, that's a good stuff on Shudder. I know, this... I have I have wrestling in Tubi, so I'm happy. If you if you want to watch French Extremity, do French Extremity. Shutter is the place to do it. Right, uh, uh, Ben B Dog, uh, what's your French New Wave history? B Dog. Oh man, I feel there are like other I've, dogs I've, in the world, J Dog. Yeah, I've probably been asked this before, and my answer now might be inconsistent. So please don't hold yourself in a court of law. But yeah, I know a little bit about French New Wave. I've seen some Truffaut and so forth. I've seen some Godard. Sure. I like uh, Vivre Sylvie. Yeah, that's my favorite, probably. Wait, that's my life to live? Yeah, yeah it's, the, Anna it's the one. one. Yeah, the Anna Carino one. Where okay. she's uh, in the theater. She's watching The Passion of Joan of Arc. And the uh, performance resonates with her so much that she, too is a lady who's really in some trouble of her own. With that really great dance scene that always makes you cry. Oh, yeah. Her last moment of happiness. Uh, uh, have you seen any Rosette? Or yeah, I have. Other? Uh, 
remember if it's Celine and Julie go boating or Julie and Celine go boating, but I love that movie. I love ladies on boats. Ladies on boats being irreverent. <laughs> well, spoiler alert, it's only a last five minutes they're on the boat. I mean, minutes. it's in the title, all right? <laughs> you know? Well, I know. Well, you have to. You, ha- you have three and a half hours, and then they're on. The I know. Boat. Well, I mean, you're glued to your seat. You're glued to the seat, waiting for that boat to show up. That's, oh. the, I, I was like irritated. Milhouse, I was waiting like, for Pucci to get to the fireworks factory. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, I was watching that movie like, well, where is it? And then, <laughs> <laughs> show me the good stuff. Yeah, I want to see them on a boat, and then in the last five minutes, after three and a half hours, like, well, there, I'm happy. That's that's all I wanted. They're on the boat. Um, so, uh, well, well, Ben, you've seen a little bit more French New Wave. What do you consider either Alice Fa face French New Wave? I would say no. Because it's significantly more plot-driven than the other French New Wave movies I've seen. Okay. Uh, J-Dog, would you yeah. consider this French New Wave? Well, um, no, not really, because it, it's... I mean, it's incredibly well-crafted, and the story is compelling, and, like, they, they took that... Um, scenes where they were allowed to show any sort of like disturbing things like that i mean there were a bunch of scenes where i was like feeling like this is disturbing not besides just the uh, surgery scene and i mean it's start you know starting in the 50s when people decide to branch outside of like universal stuff for sure they were they were like making as many of these kind of schlock pieces or things starring um Vincent Price, like, are you are you just praising Vincent Price? Uh, no. What I'm saying is that okay. this feels like this just feels like an extension of that thing going oh, oh. on. Like, I'm going to tell a haunting story. It, it's going to be, um, very very well done. You know, not on not on the cheap like some of them. Oh. And um. Yeah, like like Ben was saying, compared to the other French New Waves, I don't think we're necessarily breaking ground or or messing around with narrative or anything like that. It's just incredibly solid and French. Yeah, I kind of think it's it's listed in French New Wave, which adds to my confusion of I'm I'm still not I'm still not really sure what French New Wave right is. Yeah, you you can't expect a category like that to be that clearly defined it's like film noir right sometimes people will say it's a wonderful life is film noir <laughs> <laughs> do they say that I've, I've heard that yeah like film noir is, is itself like not a completely clearly codified genre you know sometimes you just got to go with your gut my gut says it's a wonderful life is not film noir but yeah huge is true yeah <laughs> My my gut says that Eyes Without a Face is actually a spaghetti western. Yeah. If it is, then where is the oh, Franco Nero? 
You didn't see him? He was playing one of the dogs. Another shortcoming um, of Eyes Without a Face. Like, you never see a scene of her with that mask on trying to eat spaghetti through her little mouth hole. And I feel <laughs> like that would have really conveyed the difficulty of living with this condition of having eyes and not a face. Yeah, I mean, especially when you're just splattering exactly. you know, sauce all over your mask and all. Yeah, I know, right? And you're getting spaghetti all over your little rubber mask and rubber face. And it would have made me empathize with the character more, you know? But, um, yeah, like, maybe they filmed that and left it on the cutting room floor because it was too grotesque for audiences. <laughs> yeah. I could, I could understand seeing surgical procedures done, not batting an eye, seeing a person eat spaghetti in a really messy way. Like that, that's where I draw the line. That's why I couldn't get through killing of a sacred deer. Too much spaghetti. Uh, not enough spaghetti. That seems perfect. <laughs> Are you are you a huge gummo fan? Oh, not gummo. <laughs> yeah, no, Somebody had to bring up gummo. Oh, yeah. Wait, what? Is gummo the one that LB mentioned was filmed in her hometown in Tennessee? No, is it? It's in Ohio. I think it takes place in this, okay. this horrible little town in Ohio. There's a former guest, LB from uh, from Pyre. Uh, wonderful website. I I was on their most recent action movie roundup thing. Tough on Indian action movie. Uh, but uh, LB's from Tennessee, I believe, and some Harmony Crew movie was filmed in her hometown. And uh, yeah, uh, apparently he sucks. No, no, I'm not surprised. Not surprised. surprised. But I forgot what movie it is, but um, it's part of. There's a. Uh, you see a local business that LB was the manager at. Uh, briefly, and I think she said she was pretty angry when she found out it was a, in a Harmony Crew movie. <laughs> Which I, I, would, I would be too. I don't know. Depends on the movie. It's one of the weird ones. Not, not as like later, more mainstream ones. No, Be- I, I know Gum- Gummo's one of the weird ones. Don't get, don't get me wrong. <laughs> Beach Bum, that's a great movie. Yeah, that one's our. That was that was like the only one of his movies that I can even tolerate. Uh, yeah, I, it's one of my favorite comedies of the last last few years. It, it really made me laugh a whole lot. Zach Efron in that movie is so goddamn funny. He's pretty good at what he does in general. Would you yeah. say? And pretty easy on those eyes without a face. <laughs> <laughs> So like I would say this is closer to basically like the next evolution of like universal horror, which goes kind of into that. But like it's like you have this, you have the hammer stuff, you have like um, maybe even face of another. You could say like it's kind of like falls into the, like that newer universal horror type thing. But like uh, there's not, but it's, but it seems that. About that, like the later, but like of uh, like, but the ones that follow Universal kind of, uh, Universal's golden age seems to are seem to be very scattered. But like this kind of feels like, you know, just amplifying that and being like, what what if it can be grosser with it? A little bit. Yeah, like they watched they watched all those monster movies and like, not gross stuff. Then they watched Street Trash and they're like, eh, too gross. Somewhere between. Yeah, yeah, I 
assume we see continuity between something like Universal, Frankenstein, and this. Like both have sort of mad scientist figures. Both have like a horrifying individual who's nonetheless sympathetic, you know, and yearns for freedom. Like one of the many details that I love is that you don't actually see her face without a mask until about halfway through the movie. And so there's this like really great build up of like, like, well, what's behind the mask? And I already knew, I had some screenshots, but like it's, it's done so well. Like, even if you know what, even if you know it's going to come, it's like, it still is not really a jump scare, but like, it kind of, you know, is like one of the few scary moments where it's like, see what happens. Yeah. And in terms of like universal horror connections, like Phantom of the Opera, of course, would be very similar to this as well, especially with the build-up to what this person looks like underneath their mask. Yeah. I, I haven't actually seen that fan... Um, is that Lon Chaney? Yes. Yeah. Lon Chaney? Uh-huh. Yeah. I, you know, I've seen that clip so many times where the mask is off, and he's he like, ah, he's like facing the camera. And like To me, it's it's always struck me as like, who's this goofball? Not like, oh, how horrifying. That... Uh, I, I was thinking in context of like being a Friday the Thirteenth fan. It's like, oh, that mask might come off. That mask. Oh no. Oh god, it's horrifying. You know, uh, like the thing with Jason is you can tell like how messed up he is. What even with the mask on, right? I mean, his entire body's messed up. It's not just his face. What are you talking about? So what? He, he looks great <laughs> until he takes that mask off. Yeah. No, just put a put like a toupee on him. You probably go to town. Mm. <laughs> Gina. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just listening. I'm just listening to you guys. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> I, I Smile, smiling and nodding politely. <laughs> well, I have a question for Gina. The yes. assistant is always in heels, even when they go uh, to like the cemetery at night. So, uh, my, it, are, are heels ideal for illegal like corpse uh, corpse activity? Oh no! You're just sinking right into that ground. I mean, that's like, that's like the worst thing about, well, not the worst thing about going to a funeral, the worst thing about going to a funeral, you know, the whole mourning thing, but, yeah. but when you, you know, when you dress up to a, go to a funeral, you have the heels on, you know, it's, you just sink it right into that, right into that, like, that, like, well-kept lawn. She's not being, she's not going to be able to, if she gets caught, she's not going to be able to run. She's going to have to, like, like, you know, step out of those shoes and leave them. But then she's leaving evidence. That's true. Well, hopefully she would have enough time to pick them up and, you know, <laughs> rather than stick them in her purse. You know, along with whatever, like, corpse part she might need. Uh, yeah, that's all I wanted to know. <laughs> all right, uh, are there any, like, uh, moments or things that happens to me that, like, uh, you really, yeah, I guess really want to uh, bring up? Or have we kind of covered everything? I mean, I like that um, when uh, Christiane kills um, the assistant, she just, you know, she doesn't scream or anything. She just looks kind of, like, hurt. Like, like, like you know, why would you do this? And I, and I think that kind of makes it more of a tragedy than anything else. Like, cause I don't think the assistant looked at, you know, that she was doing anything wrong. I, I think that she... You know, much like the, the 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 doctor, she feels that she would they were they're trying to help. And you know, and she's shocked when Christian 
he basically rejects their help in a very big way. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I got any others? Yeah, I mean, like, referring to the <clears throat> assistant, I like the early interactions between her and Christian as well. She's, like, brushing her hair. It makes uh, Christian feel very doll-like, especially with her doll face. And, yeah, I think that's another moment that suggests the assistant has a degree of genuine, sincere love for Christian. Um, especially the, like, compared to the father who's approaching her much more like a science experiment. Yeah, I read the doll thing as like she's a toy for her dad. And not, not, not in a gross way. But that can be taken yeah, in a gross Yeah, I mean, way. nothing gross. He's just <laughs> killing people and transplanting faces. God. <laughs> I mean, we've all been there. We've all been okay. there, you know? The, the whole kidnapping uh, of, of just random women and stuff like that, I don't know why it felt worse than normal. Although, I, I, a couple, as of a couple of years ago, I've been basically avoiding horror movies because of like how often women are victimized and stuff like that. And I'm, I'm just like, I can't take it anymore. Like, we got, we got to do something else. Maybe, maybe like if um, some like TikTok people went got attacked by the Texas Chainsaw. No, that's a stupid idea. Um, I don't know, man. Like watch, watch Cal Bear. That's a French that's movie all... where the only bad stuff is happening to a guy, right? Oh, thank God. Yeah, watch yeah, Cal Bear. That? <laughs> oh, that's the uh, Vincent Cassell one. I don't remember. I don't remember who's in it. Wasn't the line in the New Texas uh, yeah, Chainsaw? Yeah, it's about a guy, French guy, who goes to a town that's exclusively uh, men. And they, mm-hmm. they sort of like force him into a feminine role. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, he goes, goes that's, to some that's like, still disturbing place, but no women are harmed in the making of Cal Bear. So you can... Uh, it, sounds, it sounds like it has other kinds of problems. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I'm not promising that there's no problems in this horror movie, okay? Like, Horror, as a genre, generally deals with somebody having some kind of problem. There are no horror movies about somebody having a perfect day. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. You should watch The Adam's Thing. Stuff. You can watch The Thing. No no ladies getting hurt in the course of The Thing. Wait, that's true. Uh, excuse me. I'm not going to assume, A, the agenda of any of the dogs, and B, The Thing itself. No, the thing, the thing is all things. Yeah. That's right. Here's so the thing about the definitely... thing. It's all things. Wait, wait, wait. So you're telling me the thing is a woke movie because it's a they, them? You know what? Yes. Gina just wants I'm calling they, them. I'm, I'm, I'm calling that. Oh, okay. Well, I'm not going to watch that movie anymore. I, I, don't, I don't want any political John Carpenter movies <laughs> in my life. <laughs> I'm gonna stick with. Uh, I'm just gonna watch. Uh, uh, they, they live. live. <laughs> Nothing political in that. Yeah. Just the strong men being strong men fighting each other. What could What could be better? I think we were uh, we're just circling a track that we've all decided is already perfect. Yeah. 
That's what uh, happens. That that's funny. It hasn't happened in a while. Uh, uh, so J Dog, uh, uh, this or Judex, or was it more of a noob thing? Because you're equal. Oh, you try. You're trying to tell me which one would I like if I had Desert Island? Like I had to pick one to, yeah. to live with. I I pick Judex oh, because. That was just like thoroughly entertaining in a way that I mean, like, to, if somebody said that was French New Wave, I would be like, well, I could definitely see why somebody would think that because of, you know, adaptation of all these silent films that came before George Lucas much, um, but in a much, much more entertaining way and like this weird, sexy and freaky and just like cornball movie that came out of those those things like this movie's great but uh judex is like i don't know they're both super special that's the problem yeah Yeah, like for me judex was just like it's everything i want it's it's everything i want in a movie and uh this you watching this is like why didn't you make more movies because he he could like this is just so much talent and uh variety in what he could do but his movie career is very kind of scattered and limited. But yeah, if anyone does watch Judex and you're familiar with this movie, uh, they are not that similar. Totally. They are very, very different movies. I think Judex is still on Criterion Channel. And there might. I have a DVD. I have a DVD because I bought it from. Uh, someone was selling stuff, so I don't know if it's still in print or not. I, I assume so. Should we just, uh, at the beginning of this podcast, say, like, okay, don't watch this, don't watch it. This is a podcast about eyes without a face, but just watch Unix, okay? <laughs> yeah. Right, so, no, we uh, shouldn't do that. <laughs> I'd say, like, for me, like, the biggest thing was. Like, my biggest fear with some of these movies is, like, it's going to be homework. It's going to be vegetables. And this uh, this was, like, a delicious cake. It was not vegetable. It was... Like, it, it, it is as good as everyone says it is. It fully will, lives up to the hype. Sure. And, uh... Yeah, it's, it's available. I don't think it's going away anytime soon. I, it is cur- actually currently on both Criterion and HBO Max. Now, how long will it be on HBO Get it Max? While you who, can. who can say? Yeah. They should make a reality show based on somebody who needs a face. I was going to say, on face transplants. Mm-hmm. And all the women can watch it. Yeah. Cause, cause no that's, men allowed. Because that's, that's female leaning. That's right. God. Yeah. <laughs> the weekly elimination ceremony they just like cut off your face but but what if there was a guy with eight wives who had no faces <laughs> now, you, now you're talking now, now, you're, now you're just like you, you know you hit gold in for it I'm actually I'm, I don't think about it. I don't think Dragula's done a, a eyes off face riff yet because they've done like, like they like they even pulled like like Halloween four references <laughs> in one thing where it's like okay there are deep cuts and I'm kind of shocked they haven't done this because this would totally be up their alley of being kind of gross oh, and campy. Sure. 
Uh, oh, like my favorite, uh, since Dragula came up, I, I kind of have to bring this up. Uh, I think it's season, season two. Uh, there's one of the uh, uh, queen performers that wears a mask that they do like weird makeup on. And her elimination was Halloween, which it took me like half an hour later to be like, oh, it's because she wore a mask. And like, Marriage wears a mask. That's why. Because <laughs> I'm kind of stupid and noticing stuff like that. <laughs> At least you figured it out. Yeah. Uh, 1960, we carved this a whole lot. Gina and uh, B Dog, Ben Dog, whatever your name is. Megan's, Megan's brother. You, uh, you guys can go first. Ben, would you like to take first? Are we just like recommending a film from the year? Yeah, yeah just TV a show, book, whatever. Mostly yeah, movie. As long as 60, it could be 59 or 61. Uh, just something that really lights your fire. Yeah, uh, a film from 1960 that I watched recently and really enjoyed was Satyajit Ray's Devi. I think it's also sometimes referred to as Debbie, to be honest, but it's about the life of a woman happily married to the son of an upper-class family in 19th century Bengal, who then has her life turned upside down when her father-in-law has a vision that she's the goddess Kali returned to Earth. Uh, and it's like a very interesting film in regards to its exploration of gender roles and theology within 1960s India. The particular situation that she finds herself in of being simultaneously revered as a goddess but also subjugated within that same role because her status as a goddess means that she cannot continue the domestic life that she had with her husband and you know it also explores the tensions between uh, the more modern India and the more traditional India represented by the uh, son and the father respectively. So I would definitely recommend it to people that were wanting to get into Indian cinema outside of Bollywood and uh, Satyajit Ray in particular. Still have not watched any of his movies. Yeah, check it out, I, I, my man. Watch Devi, watch Big City. Yeah. I feel personally attacked because I watch almost exclusively Indian action movies at this point. I'm sure you I, have you watched have you watched uh, RRR yet? I saw it in a theater. Wow! It, okay. Bef- but, like before it hit Netflix back in March. I, uh, I I I I did not see it until it came out on Netflix, but I loved it. Yeah, I cried a lot in the theater. It was me and two other people. Have you seen Satyameva Jayate one and two? Uh, no. I'm. I'm the Bollywood action films that I like am recommending the most. It's about a super huge guy mm-hmm. named John Abraham who like looks like an action figure and he goes around killing corrupt cops by lighting ah. them on fire. Alright. I like yeah. it already. I, th- I think they're on Amazon Prime. So, uh, like I would recommend it. Satyameva Jayate 1 and Satyameva Jayate 2 where he plays his own twin brother and his father as well. So you got three John Abrahams, three big action figure guys letting cops on fire. Check it out. So like does he wear like like a mustache to he play does. one character? He's playing his father, <laughs> he wears a fake mustache. 
amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of a trope in these movies. Is if, if, if there's like a flashback of a father or a brother, it's always the same actor, like in the mustache. <laughs> like the old cartoon trope of when somebody is, is interacting with their mother and just looks like them with like an old lady wig on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm going to the Doom movies, which uh, the first two came out in 2004 and 2006. And good God, the fashion. I hadn't seen that type of fashion that, like, like that explosive in a while. It's like, yeah, I'm glad we moved on from th- those kind of clothes. It doesn't look good. <laughs> Even on, on, on hunky uh, action heroes from India, it doesn't look good. But uh, really good movies. They're, they're all on time. My 1960 pick is extremely on-brand for me. Uh, it, and also does not need much of an introduction or a description, and that would be Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. Never heard of it. No, yeah, well, you know, it's a very small movie. Uh, you know, it's it's very hard to find. You know, not a lot of influence on a lot of things. I don't know that many people have seen it. I worked with someone who watched all of the TV show uh, from a couple years ago. Oh, uh, Bates uh, Motel. Bates Motel, yeah. Yes. And she had never heard of the movie Psycho. Good lord! And oh, oh, and Gina, she's like forty-five, by the way. That's a, that. That's that's completely unacceptable. And I and I remember thinking, like, am I pretentious? Because I know Psycho was like, no, it's Psycho. This is weird that this that this forty-year-old woman has not heard of Psycho. Right? Like, I don't know how you. It's it's it it's so baked into pop culture, even beyond horror that I don't, I mean, even if you even if you've never sat down and watched Psycho from beginning to end, you've seen Psycho. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine her being around people who go like, wee, 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 like, I don't understand. That weird <laughs> musical note. <laughs> she's like, Weirdos. what the fuck is that? Because she's very loud and uh, she's a big character, to put lightly. Mm-hmm. The shower scene? What are you talking about? I don't know. Yeah, cause she like, talked to the ambient. Think, uh, think how many times? Think how many times you you've seen that movie that that scene referenced and just have like no idea what it's from. That that must be incredible. Yeah, I remember her saying like being like he wears his mom's dresses and a wig. It's like, yeah, cause it's psycho. <laughs> <laughs> Like, it's just crazy to me to imagine somebody watching Bates Motel in particular without any frame of reference for Psycho. Yeah, like, not, like, 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 yeah, Norman Bates, that character from that TV show. It's con- like, that TV show is constantly alluding to the film. <laughs> yeah, that, that's wild. Was, I, Did I she grow up? The show, though. I enjoyed the show. Amish or something? Uh, no, she was, uh, grew up in. Like quote unquote normal society, it's like normal schools or homeschool or anything. Just uh, that's like beyond homeschool. That's like you were raised in a basement. Yeah, but but she's like a just good, like a normal person. Like has a like has a couple kids, works like has like by all accounts is like a normal person, not homeschool or Amish, but like yeah, just never heard of Psycho. First of all. Not normal. She hasn't heard of Psycho. Exactly. <laughs> that, neg- that negates any any you know possibility that she could be normal. Yeah. My theory is that she has yeah. very selective. Also, 
Yeah. She got hit on the head one day and she forgot to wake up. <laughs> she, she got hit on the head and that's what inspired her to make the flux capacitor. She went back in time and stopped herself before she ever heard a cycle. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, she, she goes, Don't see it. It's too scary. <laughs> Uh, she is just a stranger heart, but she's, I think, Latino and black. Uh, and her and she didn't like her son have, bringing his white friends over, which I never really asked about that. I always found that strange. I always found that kind of odd. Yeah, I would feel the same way if my, my kid was bringing over white kids. I know I'm half white. Most of my family's white, but keep it out there. Wow. Keep that. I'm praying that no way. Okay, uh, Jan, do you have any other stuff or not really? Um, yeah, there's also um, the original Little Shop of Horrors uh, starring a very, well, not starring, he's in it for like a minute and a half, but a, uh, no- notable for featuring a very young Jack Nicholson. Uh, playing the part that would be done by later done by Bill Murray in the in the nineteen eighties remake. Um, I actually prefer the remake. I do like the musical, uh, but but the nineteen sixty version, the very very strange, very funny little movie. It's got all the basic notes of the story with the with Audrey too, and and this nerdy little flower shop employee who who. Is forced to uh, to kill and feed people to Audrey. Well, he doesn't kill him. He just kind of kind of leads them into Audrey's mouth so they get eaten, and then you know, quickly spirals out of control. It, it's just I feel like it's a you know, it's, you could show it to kids because it's, it's, it's just it's Hellraiser for kids. You basically yeah. It's just it's just very it's it's very silly and cute rather than scary. I watched the remake a lot as a kid to the point that. I went a long time without seeing it, and I, I thought it was a fever dream for kind of a long time. But, uh, yeah, because uh, we, we taped it off of HBO or some shit when I was parents from Miles Little, and, uh, like, uh, I was scared of everything, but for some reason that movie did not scare me as a, as a child. You do not, you do not worry that there's going to be like a giant plant hiding under your bed or anything? No, but I was worried that clown, the clowns from PB's Adventure were going to hunt me down. <laughs> well, that was true. Yeah, that, that clown was pretty intense. Yeah. And like, Large Clown, Marge, clown Doctor? Large Marge didn't scare me, but clowns were, were that scared me. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things in, in PB's Big Adventure that you could get frightened of. You know, accidentally driving off a cliff falls for a very long time. <laughs> uh, J-Dog, you got 1960 stuff. Uh, listen, I've, I've talked about everything, not to mention most of the things I've seen from the year 1960 were on this podcast. Most in people, all hey, incarnations. Hey, listeners don't really care. Listen, it. listener, let's talk, let's talk about real talk right here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the last thing that I have on my 1960 list. It is another horror movie. And it is, to say the least, a Jekyll and Hyde story, wherein Dr. Jekyll, having a modern-day practice in this movie, leaves his office. And what should come into his office 
but some sort of putty tat. That's right. Sylvester, the putty tat, comes in, and there is pure sweet Tweety, simply trying to live his life. But what happens when Tweety drinks Dr. Jekyll's formula? Well, you're going to have to watch Hide and Go Tweet from 1960 and find out. That's all. <laughs> That's it? Yeah, it's a, you know, it's a good cartoon. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm, I'm skipping movies entirely. For, he's uh, done. He's never. Spencer's never watched another movie again. <laughs> yeah, podcast uh, is going to be about books now. No, uh, because it's been. I have. I don't think I've mentioned any African novels lately. So uh, guys, got get back on that. No longer at ease by Chinua Chebe. Come out, 1960. That's the second in the African trilogy, and it's uh, a loose uh, series about like this one family in Nigeria during. First one is during when the British first show up. Second one is after the British take over. And the third one, I think, is right before the British uh, are, are forced out and they're independent. And no longer it is is when, uh, they are a col- when they are colonized. And, uh, yeah, uh, his books are not homework. They are very good. They, they seem like homework, but they certainly are not. Uh... And uh, the drummer boy from Cyprian de Quincy, uh, he's not as well known as Chinua uh, Achebe, but uh, I like his books because one, they're they're great, and two, they are like 200 pages at the most. Uh, they're easy, quick reads. And he had another book come out that year that uh, I'm just gonna, you can look up another one. But the drummer boy is the one I like more. And the third book is by Anthony Burgess. He was an uh, English author. He wrote A Clockwork Orange, which is my favorite book of all time. But he, uh, I like his fiction, but his stuff is very of its era in the worst ways. And uh, if you don't like lost sexism and racism, and homophobia, you can uh, skip his books. Cause well, that's, his, just, that's, just, that's just British writing in general. His early work is very uh, uh, middle middle class white man uh, uh, bullshit that like I I kind of like, but also uh, he, great writer. But man, he was awful person, and his characters are kind of him, uh, just like awful people. But uh, yeah, so just a warning for his for like uh, his book the doctor sick. This really sexist. But uh, yeah. not, not the worst ones. There, there are some ones that like are, I read once. It's like, yeah, it's well written, but I'm not gonna touch that again. It's just too makes makes you too feel, feel gross a little bit. Uh, so that is it. Uh, uh, Gina, uh, no, no, actually, uh, I made a mistake of starting with the the more famous person before, and I felt weird about it. Jesus. <laughs> The last time I started someone who, who who makes movies, and then I was like, oh, other person, you just go on podcast sometimes. <laughs> so, uh, so, so uh, Ben, uh, you first. Uh, what, what, what's going on with you? Not a lot, man. Not a lot. You can go ahead and check out my other appearances on your lovely podcast, right? Including the one where I 
here with my counterpart, my in utero buddy, Megan Sunday, where we talk about the whip in the body. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, I'm just chilling. Okay, now, now Gina, you're, you're, you're the famous one here. <laughs> Go ahead and outshine me. Am I, am I, though? I don't know. Um, I don't want to make Ben feel bad and be like, I don't you already know. Made, you already made him feel bad. You're like, oh, yeah. I should start, I shouldn't have started with a famous one. <laughs> um, anywho, uh,. I am the co-host of the Kill by Kill podcast, in which we talk about horror movies according to characters. Um, we also do a side project called Dish by Dish, in which we are re-watching the television series Hannibal. Uh, we are kind of closing in on uh, the end of that. We are about halfway through season three, which is the final season, and uh, this covers what is covered in the movie Manhunter. Um, so that's, if you were a fan of Manhunter, you, you could listen to us and you kind of get what's happening in Hannibal, even if you've never seen it. Um, and I also write about movies and television at theschool.net. Okay. Uh, don't you, uh, do a podcast with Joe from Horror Queens? Oh, yes, yes, yes. I do a, I do a project with Joe Lipset. And uh, Jen Adams of the Losers Club podcast is called White Ladies in Crisis, uh, in which we talk about movies and television shows, uh, well, focusing on White Ladies in Crisis. Uh, We have covered the Apple TV series Physical, and as of this recording, we are working our way through the Hulu miniseries Candy. Ben, I'm sorry. You should be. He's so mad he's not even responding. Yeah, he's just left. He's totally left. I'm, I'm plotting to steal Gina's face. So that I can <laughs> <have> <laughs> a glamorous podcast lifestyle for myself. Oh, so, you, so, you, so you're going to be in the Dune podcast and Kill by Kill? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, you going to take over. Just going to switch back and forth between uh, me and Megan's faces. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to have a whole collection of faces, just like Dark Man. Oh, you're going to have to hunch down for Gina. I don't think she's as tall as Megan. <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, I'll always be sitting. Okay. All right. Uh, so, oh, I just recorded uh, with uh, movies, movies from Hell again. It's Summer of Genre Lawn. I got Requiem for a Vampire and Shiver of the Vampires. That went for like three hours. Huh? Uh. 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 Yeah, so it went for like three hours. Uh, it's gonna. It probably doesn't edit much, so it'll be like a three hour episode. And, uh. What else? Um. I was on that show earlier, so you're talking about Wakamatsu and Harry Casting, Japanese director. I have a Brian Glenn episode I recorded a few weeks ago. Uh, that will come out, I think, in September, maybe. Uh, and I think that's it. Joel, I got, I got nothing. I got, you know. Please don't send me outer space. Uh, episodes will be coming out eventually, as soon as I get the mental capacity to finish editing any of them, any of them. I think the two people here, I think the two guests here, would be good guests. 
Well, of course they would, and I would ask them to, but one of them is super famous, and the other one is Ben, so I don't know what to do. <laughs> well, Ben's going to steal... Ben's going to steal uh, Gina's face, so he's going to be super famous pretty soon. No, no, I'm going... Gina is like a national treasure, as far as I'm concerned. And I'm not making a joke about her being super famous. I mean, you know, she's one of those people that, like, uh, I, I don't know how long I've been aware of Gina ever since uh, the Flophouse Facebook group, you know. Uh, and it's like, that is one person that I'm going to make sure nobody takes her. Well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's good to know. Yeah, thank you. She's one of the few guests I've met in person. I think there's yes, we've met a couple of times. You, you stayed at my house. Oh, that is true. The old well, house. My, my old house. Yeah, I live in a new house now, but you stayed in my old house. And you're, I think you're, you're one of the few that met Mary. Yes. She also stayed at my house. Yeah, it's, well, I'd hope so. <laughs> Ben, Gina, thanks for uh, coming on. Gina, I'll message you later about next season. Great. And I uh, don't know what much horror will show up next season. I don't think it, yeah, maybe like one or two. I don't think much horror will show up. So, uh, warning for that. And Ben, I don't know. Uh, I'll, you know, uh, I'll message you about next season, too. Awesome. Even though, uh, Anyway, yeah, J Dog, you know, turn it off, whatever. Turn it off. Turn it off. The show can be found on Twitter at Piano Player Pod. Our email is still highlowpod at gmail.com. You can find a show on Spotify, Podbean, and various other places where you can find podcasts. Our intro music is by Vivian Fop, and our cover art is by Sarah Roberts. You can find her art, sarahkathleenroberts.com. And thank you for listening.